So we continue now at the bottom of page five. We are uh, beginning chapter three. So after chapter two, which lays out the structure of uh, the energy and the containers and how they fit and are coordinated with each other in the human structure, in the human body. And all this is going to continue on, this analogy, until he begins to go back to what we call the nimshal, which will begin in chapter 5, where he discusses this in the spiritual realms, because everything, the human being is created in the divine image, etc. So the essential point here is, is defining, dissecting, that the identity of Urpnimi, the identity and personality of an internal energy is such that an energy in a container are tailored to each other and that each faculty has its place where it resides inside the body and that part is conducive and a proper container ready to receive that energy and manifest it and they work in a symbiotic relationship tailored for each other where the the faculty is um, subjugates itself to the container to the energy the faculty or the container the container i'm sorry the container subjugates itself to the to the faculty but it's not in a way that it's coerced it's in a way that it's um it's appropriate it's a fitting container you know think of it like certain metals are natural conductors and some are not you know, copper is considered to be one of the best conductors of heat, of energy. You use other type of uh, metals, it won't conduct as well. That means the container is not fitting to the electricity that runs through it. And when something is a proper conductor, it becomes almost seamless. There's still resistance, there's still uh, called inertia or friction or whatever it is. But there are, there are, there are uh, substances that are more conducive to conducting certain forms of energy than others. Sound, for example, air is a perfect conductor for sound. Water is not. So when you speak underwater, it's not, the water does not conduct the sound well, does not travel, does not carry it. So in the concept of faculties, the faculties are actually good conductors, excellent conductors, tailored to the energy that goes into them. The and, that's why, the and that's why they impact each other. What? You keep saying the faculties, you mean the containers. Yeah, the containers of the faculties, right, are are uh, are perfect conductors for those faculties for the energy. You know, I meant faculties. I meant to say the containers that are the conductors of the energy of the faculties, and that's why the containers affect how those faculties function. That if the container, the mind, as we spoke about, it could be a uh, you know your mind gets thicker due to certain foods one eats or other types of impacts or environments can affect actually how one strengths. Like we find, for example, even athletes in certain conditions, they uh, they function much better than if there's thin air or if there's other type of uh, weather conditions that don't allow their energies to really flow properly. So it's not, so there's a certain relationship. Now he's going to explain in this chapter, and get into that the fundamental point here is not just that they're tailored for each other, but because the faculties themselves are pnimim be'etzem. What that means is they're fundamentally internal energies. They're not like an energy, and they could be 
manifest in a container and not manifest. No, they are fundamentally dependent and fundamentally related to a container. So like you could think of it this way. Water, for example, you know, you could have a reservoir of water, a spring of water, a brook of water, an ocean. And you know what? It may never be contained in any container. But then we humans came and we built cups and we built barrels and we built pipes, we built channels where we can draw this water out of a well in a, pa in a pail and drink from it. But the water, you can argue, is not fundamentally a uh, internal energy. It's true. It is conducive. This, the fact is, if the water would not be able to be contained, we couldn't contain it. But what he's saying here, when something is pnimi be'etzim, it means that is essentially dependent upon a structure like this. Whereas, as we're going to learn, all this is in contrast to the willpower, the desire, which does not have any containers, that is not, does not have this structure. So chapter 3, the bottom of page 5. However, the primary factor in this, in what defines this, this, uh, this faculty structure, is because the faculties are fundamentally, essentially, inherently, innately, internal energies. The way they come out of the nefesh, the way they come out of the spirit, of the soul, they come out with a certain defined state, a certain limited state. So therefore they're proportionate to manifest in containers. So it's not like they come out like a, just a gushing rush of infinite energy, unbridled energy. Uh, they, come, they, they originate from the way they originate from the soul, from the spirit, these faculties, they're in a way that they are relative to manifesting inside of these containers. <clears throat> in the parentheses, yet yeah, he has to qualify this because does this mean that the faculties inside the soul are also limited and defined? So he says, no. What actually manifests in the in the organs, in the part, in body parts, in, part, in, the, in the in the organs and in the body structure, from these faculties, it's the lowest level. It's the last level of these spiritual faculties. That's called matter within spirit. In other words. The way that energy is within the soul is far too sublime and far too amorphous and undefined to be able to manifest inside of the fact inside of the containers of the body. So what's actually manifesting is the lowest level of those. It's like, you know, when we say lowest, we don't mean physically lowest, we mean the most uh, the most tangible aspect of them. That's called Geshem Shabaruchni, matter within spirit. So think of it like within the spirituality, the energy of the faculties, there's a certain type of matter within that. What's the word again? In Hebrew? Yeah. Geshem Shabaruchni. That means matter within spirit. But because these faculties are fundamentally internal ones, integrated ones, internalized ones, that's why the Dakusevarim, the subtlety and sublimeness, of the organs, which are called the spirit within matter, therefore these containers are a container to, to manifest 
Well, the hatfis and to grasp and to hold on to as hageshem shabaruchni to the matter within spirit. So basically, it works like this: spirit is spirit. It's it's, uh, it's not tangible. It's not concrete. It doesn't have substance. Okay. Then you have substance, which is a container. So just to give a very simple example, even though it's maybe a little morbid, you know, you think of a corpse or a body that where the functions, where the faculties are not functioning. So all the containers are there. The body has eyes, it has a nose, it has ears, it has a brain, it has a heart. Everything is there. What's missing? The energy is not flowing. It's like a, uh, think of it like a, um, an appliance without electricity running through it. So everything is there, but it is uh, only a container. Now you have the spirit. Let's, let's dissect for a moment spirit from body. Okay? What do the faculties look like in the spirit? It's hard to imagine because it's outside of a body. But we know there's some type of energy, like electricity. And electricity and the energy has faculties within it. So how do these two opposites meet? Here you have a spirit which is no tangible, concrete substance. And here you have a body which is very tangible and concrete. So here's how it works. The eye, for example, is not just a piece of metal or a piece of wood or a stone. The eye is, 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 uh, was crafted by God, of course, in a way that has a subtlety to it. So, so to speak, the subtle part of the material part of the body of the eye becomes a container for the material part within the spirit of the faculty. So it's not just that there are faculties and containers. What you have is the faculty has the spirit of the spirit and you have the matter of the spirit. The body containers have the body of the body and you have the spirit of the body. And the spirit of the body meets the body of the spirit. Am I making sense? Yeah, say that again. A little slow. You have, a, you have a, an energy in a container. Let's say the power of vision and the, and the eyeball. The power of intellect and the brain. Where do these two meet? The two meet because the container is not just a raw uh, piece of matter. It has a subtlety to it. It has a spirit to it. So the spirit within the brain is subtle enough, delicate enough, to become a container to the matter within the spirit. So the intelligence on its own is spirit. But it also has within it an element that allows it to meet the container because it has an element, the outer element of it, of intelligence, has a way of, you can call the matter within spirit meets the spirit within matter. Okay? <clears throat> and that's why they are able to function. So the bottom line, what he's saying here is that, that these, these, these faculties are fundamentally premium. They're fundamentally um, internal. And they come from the lowest level of the spirit. But because they're, they're internal faculties, that's why the subtlety, the gentleness, the delicateness of the organs, which is called the spirit within the matter, becomes a container to manifest and to hold on to, to contain the matter within the spirit, the particles within the spirit. So, you know, think, we talk about wave and particle with energy, you could say the particles within light uh, meet the wave within containers. But let's not go there right now. I wanted to just give a, maybe an example for this. 
you know, for two two entities to meet, who are on two different terms, they have to find a common denominator. So you can have two circles. They may not be able to join as one completely, but the but the lower the outer level of one entity can meet the outer level of the other entity, and that's where they become where they overlap. So this is also true even in human uh, mediation and human interaction. We may not be able to completely agree, but let's find the common denominator. So you try to find something that both have they have in common. So something that in spirit that relates somewhat to the material of the body, and something in the body that relates to the spirit of the faculty. And even though the nefesh, the spirit, is undefined, unlimited, you know, when you say unlimited, it means of course it's a soul and not something else, but it doesn't it doesn't carry properties that are contained like the body does. So of course, and then how exactly does it fit into a box? You know, electricity fits into appliances, into containers. How does it fit into a box? Mekol mokin, Nevertheless, the faculties are the level of finite, their level of defined. Because they're individual faculties, they're distinct and unique faculties, like the power, the faculty of wisdom, the faculty of love, kindness. So though they are in an amorphous state, yet they are, they have a, a, a defined properties. But they're not defined as concrete as you would have them in the containers of the body. So in order to see intelligence without a container, if we were able to even see it, you wouldn't be able to see it with your physical eyes. Because its nature is a sublime nature. It's not defined by material proportions like time and space that the material existence is defined by. And these faculties, the spirit faculties, are encompassed, are included inside the nefesh, inside the spirit. They're not a reflection and an extension of the soul itself. In other words, the energy, let's say, you can say the energy of the soul that gives life to the body, you can say that may be a reflection and an energy. Sunlight. But once you're talking about a particular faculty, the power of wisdom, the faculty of seeing, the faculty of hearing, you're not just talking about a reflection and an extension of the soul itself. The Because a reflection is, a, is, is commensurate and similar to its source, to the essence. Sunlight, light of sun, does not reckon with containers. It doesn't care where it shines. It can shine in a beautiful palace. It can shine in a pile of garbage. All it is, is a reflection of the sun. Faculties are not a reflection of the essence of the soul, of the essential soul. What are they? The only thing they are, however, what are they? That the nefesh, even though the soul, the spirit, is built in is undefined, unlimited, by essentially, Essentially unlimited, it includes within it faculties, faculties that are fundamentally defined. So, this is a very interesting statement here that's extremely relevant, of course, later when he's going to explain it how it is above. And the statement goes like this 
You could argue, as I mentioned before with the example from water, that you know the soul is like a, uh, an ocean. It's, got, it's full with energy. And all you can really say is that the energy flows out of the soul and it energizes and vivifies a body. Okay? Like water coming out of the ocean or from a well, and we, take, and we, and we drink from it, and it energizes us. But there's nothing about the water. You could say the water is just a, is just a piece of a big ocean. But the soul, he's saying, no, that's not the case. The faculties in the soul are as, as if the soul actually has defined faculties. An undefined and unlimited spiritual entity called the spirit, soul, has within it defined faculties. The power to see, the power to hear. The ocean does not have specific faculties as in like this cup of water is going to you or this cup of water is going to that person. It's, it is, uh, what's the word, oblivious and dispassionate about, you know, detached from any type of definition. It's just water. Or the sunlight. Sunlight is just sunlight. It has properties. It can warm. It has ultraviolet rays. It has other rays and so on. But from the point of view, it's not, it's not defined. It's not like the sun is transmitting to us messages specific and tailored to us. The soul, however... And this is like a paradox. The soul, which is an undefined entity, has defined faculties. What does defined mean? They're not defined as on the level of the container, as we spoke about. But they're defined that they have faculties. Because if the soul was just an amorphous spirit, then you know what we'd have? You'd be alive. But you wouldn't be able to say, one second, I can't see, I can't hear. All these type of specific faculties, what he's saying here is, of course, it's, you, you can argue and maybe that's not the case. Maybe it's just one energy flowing inside the body. And it's the body that's like, you know, those, those, those coin things where you put all the coins into one tap and then there's one that's wider that goes, the quarters go here, the nickels here, the dimes. You could say that the, 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 the soul has no say about these distinctions. And, all you, and everything happens inside the body. It's like electricity just runs into the machine. And the machine decides, sends this to the eyes, this to the ears. He's saying that's not the case. Now, what's the proof that that's not the case? The proof is, based on what he said earlier, one of the proofs, because you see how closely it works to the eye. If that's the case, why does it go to the eye? Why doesn't it just go into the ears? Why can't you just see with your ears? And why, God forbid, if there's damage to the eye, the vision won't go any elsewhere? So you see that there's some language, there's some interface here between the faculty and its container. You can't just say... It's going in. I don't really care where I go. Here I go to the wire. Here I go to the eyes, to the nose, to the ears. There is a, a, a deeper relationship between the two. I don't know how about medical, on a medical level, but I, I would assume the same is true. Like, for example, if somebody has a problem in any part of the body, God forbid, there's a few things you can identify as being the problem. One is the container is weak. You know, let's say some atrophy or some type of muscle or some type of uh, loose nerve or pinch nerve, something is not allowing... I'm sorry, that's not a good example. The container itself has been damaged, let's say. You know, so there's damage, so it doesn't allow the, the faculty to manifest. Another thing could be is the channel between the container and the faculty is damaged. The nerve, the, the blood flow. So the container may be intact, you know, but the blood isn't flowing properly, which can end up damaging the container. But let's say it hasn't been damaged yet. But... The fact of the matter is when you manipulate that container, you repair it, or whatever you exercise it, it then, it, it, you, you basically, you know, you get rid of the wrinkles in it, essentially the flow will return. 
Um, so, the, so, however, according to this, the actual faculty is fitting to that to that container, and it needs, and it, it is defined even before it enters the container. Yeah, that's what he's saying. You have any other ways to prove this uh, to be the case? You know, why can't you just argue perhaps that it's just one big flow of electricity that just goes into a whole bunch of wires that the wires decide where they go? It seems definitely when we think about how we function, it seems that they're symbiotic. It doesn't seem random. It doesn't seem like the, uh, indiscriminate is the word. It seems very discriminate. Cells are different. You go from differentiated cells to each cell of each organ. Each system is different. It's a different entity. Right. With different functions and purposes. Cells are all not the same. Right. Heart cells are not the same as liver cells are not the same. Good point. So the cells itself are defined for that particular function of the organ and the larger system. But the cells are still containers, right? They're absolutely containers. But what about what about the energy going into the cells? Are they also different before they enter the cell? In other words, does the energy that goes into a liver cell different than the energy that goes into a heart cell? It's a good question. He's saying definitely they are. Yes. yes. And it would make more sense that they are because they are. Yes. because it's it, we're not talking about because if they because there'd be too many. If they weren't, then it would be possible for the body to basically say, "Oh, you know what? I'll look. I'll see with my nose." You know, because, uh, you know, obviously the nose is not conducive to that, but, and also the way they function, they're so like a hand in a glove. Yeah. It doesn't seem like it's, yeah. uh, it seems yeah. very discriminant. Yeah, I agree. In addition, there's or, sometimes. You know, a better example, you take like, uh, you take like gasoline or petroleum. You refine one, it gives you gasoline, another gives you kerosene, another gives you jet airplane fuel. So the basic energy you start with is transformed or refined for that particular function. Gasoline won't run a jet airplane, and jet fuel won't run an automobile. So the basic energy starts okay. from the same place has to be tailored to the function. Another point that may be important to say is, in other places he says that, for example, blind parents can give birth will give birth to a seeing child, which means they have the power to see. It's just that they don't have a container or a nerve or, or whatever it may be. The and the children, if if they fundamentally did not have the function to see, you know, if it was just energy, right? Uh, right. So then it would then they wouldn't you know. So it's an energy to see the power to see. The soul has the power to see. It needs a container to manifest. So that's the point here. So the nefesh, the nefesh, even though it's un, uh, unlimited be'etzim fundamentally, it includes within it faculties that are defined fundamentally, fundamentally defined. Nevertheless, and here he qualifies this, nevertheless, this doesn't mean that the soul and the spirit is a composite of these parts, of these faculties. It doesn't mean it's a sum of the parts. It carries them. It contains them. And there within the soul, all these faculties are mamish, literally, all united as one. Because the soul is only one soul. It's one force. 
שנפש אחרס היא גם כשנשס הכחס בעצמו. The soul is one even as it contains and carries within it all the faculties within itself. Like it sells elsewhere. However, that which the soul contains in its faculties, that's not the essence of the soul. So he's really saying two things here. Number one, that the soul even though it contains faculties, but there it's all one, united as one. And then there's a dimension of the soul that's even beyond that. That where the soul contains the, the faculties is not the essence of the soul. But even the way it contains faculties, it's also not as defined faculties, it's all as one. Now, now we need to know, however, these faculties, the way they are included inside the spirit, there too, there, they, they too are on the level of infinite, of undefined, un, unlimited. What level? Within the spirit. And they're not you cannot call them actual faculties. They're not yet a metzies. They're not yet an entity, an identity at all of faculties. So what we said is that they have the, it, it's basically like potential state of a faculty. Potential energy is definitely specific. So it's not like a reflection, which is completely amorphous. Here, we do have something called the koyach, the power of sight. But you cannot call it yet a faculty as we know it. As it's known, that the power of intelligence and its potential source, and it's the so-called the collective unconscious. The way it's included in the essence of the spirit. It's not in any way a fashion or form at all. Something you can call intelligence. And the same with their other faculties. So let's read it through and then we'll explain it. So in other words, the way where intelligence comes from in the root of the spirit, even though it's a power of intelligence, but it doesn't yet have what we would call any shape or form, what we would call an identity called an intelligent faculty, a mind. What you could do say, what you could say is that the reflection a reflection of this power of intelligence in the collective unconscious is what is drawn and manifests in the organs of the body. In other words, this this this, this potential power. And there it comes in a form of tzimtzum. It's very concealed, contracted, very uh, condensed. The spirit is condensing itself. It's contracting itself. It's, it is limiting. It's uh, confining itself. 
containing itself in order to manifest in the in the organs of the body in order for it to be an internal type of energy internal type of life force and through this they come into a defined state into a limited defined state to the point that they become proportionate and relevant to the spirit we said the spirit within the matter within to the ruchnis and the varm, the spirit within the organs to the point that they become actually contained by them so this goes back and forth again and it's very vital to understand because remember if we discussed in the previous classes we're talking about an interface between spirit and matter between the infinite and the finite that the interface is Kesser. Kesser is the interface which is the level of the will, the desire. But as he's going to explain throughout this series, as we go along as the plot thickens through the discourses, through the different memoriam, the different sections of this series, he's going to explain that the, the will is not enough. It's going to have to manifest in a type of Chochmas the collective unconscious, the unconscious mind. And it's going to come into, bottom line is going to come down to the containers and the energies is where the interface takes place. Okay? So for an interface to work where you're trying to join and fuse opposites, there's a constant play, a constant delicate dance between both sides. Is it finite? Is it infinite? Is it matter? Is it spirit? Is it selflessness? Is it self? Is it ego? <laughs> is it ego? Is it egolessness? <clears throat> Is it container? Is it energy? So that's why he's going through this very dissecting it on both ends. Dissecting and showing that the energy has elements that are beyond the container, but they're elements that become more, we'll call it more, more solidified, more manifest. So the matter within energy becomes united with the energy within the matter. Okay? But this goes back and forth. So on one hand, he wants to make sure there's a case here for the interface to work. The case has to be made that the energy is not just an amorphous light, just reflecting its source. Because then there's no connection to the real container. So he has to say that these faculties actually are faculties, meaning that they already have properties, they already are defined in some way. But on the other hand, they're not containers either. You want them to, not, you want them to be divine. You want them to represent that other side of the interface called the spirit. So therefore, they're really on a spirit. They're, they're, they're faculties, but they're on the spirits, on the term of the spirit. So they're still in a state of not, not being defined. And a reflection of them then enters in a very condensed, contracted, contained way into the, the more the, into the conducive the spirit of the containers. The reflection of them. Reflection of that state. Yeah. So that's why he goes back and forth here. And initially you read it, you know, you think, which one is it? Yeah. Are there faculties? No faculties. But you have to remember, this is all about retraining and reprogramming us to think in terms of subtlety. See, in this material world, everything is it's a table or it's a chair. But that creates fragmentation. That creates divisiveness. That means there's no unity. To understand unity in a world that is so diverse, you have to understand subtlety. Because if someone says, a table and a chair... They can never be one. You say, one second, if I put a table and a chair near each other, 
and I sit on the chair and I eat at the table with my friend, they become one. Not that the table becomes a chair, but their functionality, they join together as partners. Yeah, totally, yeah. So you have to have a, a subtle type of element to that. So we live in a world that you look with the naked eye, everything is just, every, you know, soul is there, spirit, you know, body is there. I don't even know where the soul is. I don't know where God is. But in truth is there's a, there is a net, there's a web, there's like a, a, a string, 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 string theory that connects everything. It's all one. It's one field of energy that has particles and pieces of it, of the puzzle. So what he's doing here is trying to help us understand how you take, we're using the example of the human being, you know, an example, from my flesh I behold God, we're using an example of how we function. Look at your body. Your body is not, is not a black and white container. Your body is a physical body. It's similar to the physical universe. It's made up of elements, material elements, but it is, becomes a container for something that is spirit. So you are a walking example of an interface between spirit and matter. Now, how does that work? That's where he goes back and forth. The spirit does not have faculties in it, but it contains, it carries the potential. That potential is, is defined, but not limited. In the sense, it's not yet tangible. It's defined and limited by the fact that it's the power of wisdom. But you can't call it seichel, you can't call it intelligence, you can't call it a faculty until it, 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 is, it diminishes itself and, and, and contains itself and condenses itself, tzimtzum, in order to manifest in the container. And if a container and the container has to do something as well, it can't just remain in its material state. It has to be receptive. We learned in the last chapter, receptive, subjugated, and conducive to be a proper conductor of this energy that's entering into it. And if it doesn't do that, it won't really be able to contain that energy. So now this explains another thing now. So we have there this like this dual dance. So a little amorphous, a little tangible. A little container, a little energy. And they come together, and then we have a healthy body. Healthy body, sound soul inside of a sound body. And this is the reason, this is also the reason, This is also the reason why the energy and the light of the, of the, the internal light and energy of the soul comes into diversity, comes into a diverse division in the, in the organs of the body. It's not alike. It's not the same in all of the in all of the organs. because it's not dissimilar. The nefesh, the energy, the light and energy of the spirit, as it is in the head of the body, as it is in the rest of the body. So even though they're both alive, you could say one person is alive, but there's a different level of energy that goes into the head, that goes into the body. Even though the head is small in comparison to the body, you know, what is the head? Not even a third, right? What is it, a fifth of the body? Nevertheless, we see that the primary revelation of the spirit is in the head. And in the leg, the energy is much less. So, 
What does this mean? That the Ikur Gileh HaNefesh, that the primary revelation, manifestation of the soul's energy is in the head. As we see, we see practically. When you look at the head, you have there simply number one, simply the amount of heat it goes off. Like think of it like the hard drive, because of its hard efforts and work, that all the faculties in the head, so it gives off a tremendous amount of heat relative to the other parts of the body. So it's all concentrated in that head. It's all concentrated, all those faculties, the brain, the central nervous system, the eyes, the ears, the nose, the mouth. So though the head is the smallest part of the body, it has concentrated much more punch, firepower than the other parts of the body. So we're not talking here about the life force. The life force is equal throughout the body. From head to toe, we are alive. God forbid if one part of the toe is somewhat disconnected from the source of life through gangrene or anything, it could have to be amputated. It could be very dangerous. So alive means the whole body is alive. But you talk about revealed, conscious, intensity, firepower. Where do you see it most? It's in the head. So you see from this, there's a distinction in how the soul manifests in each part of the body. And the leg, you don't have the same amount of energy. And the reason for this is because the revelation of the light and the energy of the spirit who the is commensurate and is proportionate to the to the to the containers. The energy of the soul manifests and is contained according to the properties, the quality. The meziga is the quality, the properties of the the container. As we discussed earlier. So because the container, therefore, Alkane, therefore, the Fi'afan Dakusakeli, commensurate and proportion to the fact that the Fi'afan according to the method, according to the way the Kali, the container is crafted, Dakusakeli, its subtlety, its sensitivity, its edelkeit, who According to this type of sensitive element within the container, the container is being more sensitive, more sublime. Therefore, according to that, Hugili, in direct proportion, is the revelation of the energy of the soul inside the head. The head is a composite, is made up of elements. The quality are called Chemerdak. Chemerdak means subtle, sensitive, delicate matter. Chemer is matter, and Dak is delicate. As we see practically, you look at a brain. A brain is very subtle. It's a jelly-like, very mushy type of entity. If we just saw it, we wouldn't relate to it. But it's consistent. For example, when you look at, uh, let's say, the coarse skin of the heel of the foot. So that's cr- that is structured in a way that can absorb the shock and absorb the pressure and absorb the wear and tear of constantly hitting the pavement, the ground, the feet in the ground. The brain, on the other hand, is also flesh, 
but it's very jelly-like. It's, it's conducive to conducting, like a conductor, the energy of the, the shooting of the neurons and the synapses inside the brain. If that type of jelly-like, if the, if the coarse skin of the foot would be put into the brain, it would not be able to be a container for intelligence. Ideas would not flow from it. And vice versa, if you put the brain substance on a leg, as ridiculous as that sounds, it would not be able to absorb the shock. So its gentleness, its delicateness, because it's more refined, therefore it is a keli muchen, it's a prepared, it's a ready container for the light and energy of the soul. Or for the energy and the life force of the soul. Here is used together, sometimes only one. Er is a little higher. Er is energy. Chayis is life force of the soul. And that's why in the head radiates and manifests and shines but in a more revealed way the Er HaNefesh, the energy of the soul. That means that in it, in the head, there you have Manifest, Shemayidim, radiating, or you could say revealing, revelation of the highest faculties in the Nefesh. So there you can't say superior, because in the faculties of the soul, everyone is necessary, and, and they all complement each other. So they all have their indispensable role. But if you measure it in firepower, or in pure intensity, the, 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 the most sublime, the most superior, the highest form of faculties are in the head, the power to think ideas, to conceive of ideas, the, the control of the central nervous system, the vision, the sound, and so on. Whereas the other parts of the body don't have quite that type of sublime elements. So though every part of the body obviously is sublime, and when you look at the cellular structure, it's uniquely structured, but the head is the one with the most firepower. When you look at the body, on the other hand, the light, the energy, is diminished, is Weaker, mute, lesser, the gabe haresh compared to the head. Because the energy of the soul is limited there, is concealed there. Tzimtzum has many meanings. Sometimes we say tzimtzum as the tzimtzum harish, and the first tzimtzum, the complete like black hole, concealment, contraction, con- condensing, um, uh, hiding. It also means it can be diminishing. So the Neira Nefesh, in this case, it's a diminished, a, a limited, a uh, more constrained form of energy manifests in the body because, it, 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 because its container is not as refined and not as subtle. Well, can be slop, uh, I'm sorry, uh, I'm you know, of Reish Guf Regal, the Reish we talked about the head, the Guf is the body, and Regal is the leg, so that all parts of the body, the head, the body, the torso, and the legs. In the leg, where the chemer, the material is it's coarse. Much more, many, very coarse. Or, um, what's it called? Increasingly coarse. So compared to chemer dak of the brain, which is a delicate, a gentle matter, here in the leg, it's already a, it's a coarse matter, that's why that's why also the era nefesh, the energy of the soul, is the tzumtzum, is concealed there, is limited there, is is, is uh, constrained there, increasingly. 
There he said it's some some some. So in the head, it's the word is the words he uses begili yeser. Very revealed in the body, the goof it's mitzumtzum concealed, and here's mitzumtzum biyaser. The contrast to uh, to the head, it's very concealed, more concealed than in the body. So we have here as a demonstration of what, of the of the distinction and the division in the body itself. Because remember, part of the interface, it's critical that it it be manifest in the structure of existence. And the structure of existence is diversity. Compartments, parts. So it's not just one energy of the soul enters into the body. Every faculty has its location, has its, is local. All politics is local, as they say. Every faculty has its place. And you see that in the brain, in the head, you have a much more refined container, therefore a lot more of the energy of the soul was manifest there. Not the life force, but the, the firepower of the soul. And when it comes to the leg, to the body and the leg, it's less of so. So we see here this diversity and distinction between different parts of the, of, of the human being. Now he continues on and says, this distinction, this diversity, is not only in the energy of the soul and its containers in different parts of the body, but also how the faculties interact with each other, as we discussed in the previous chapter. That there's each faculty in its place, but the faculties also have an interconnectivity. They work with each other. Also in the faculties, manifest one another, in one another, one in another, one another. A higher faculty manifests in a lower one. Like the example he gave, intelligence that manifests in emotions. And seichel intelligence also manifests in the power of movement, movement of the hands, the fingers, and the power of walking, of the legs. So you're covering all the all different faculties. So intelligence isn't just exclusive to the, the, to the brain, it's in other parts of the body. How is it manifest there? So he's going to say, there too, it comes with a distinction. It's not the pure brain power as in the head that you have inside your hands when you write. It's limited, it's diminished. That seichel, that intelligence as it manifests in other faculties, it comes in a very, it's, it's, it's distributed unequal, unequally, differently. It, it also comes, like he said, it's It also is diverse. The commercial is barely ill, as we learned earlier, as we discussed and explained earlier. The air has The energy of intelligence that manifests in emotions, It's only the outer, external part of intelligence. Like we see, when a person is the intelligence behind a feeling, I love someone, I'm repelled by something, I'm afraid of something. The different emotions, so there's an intelligence in there, but it's not intelligence as it is in its purest form. When you're sitting and pondering, meditating, contemplating on an abstract concept, that's intelligence, conceiving of an idea. The intelligence within emotions is already So you see the seichel is changes according to the area that it's where it's functioning. In emotions it's 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 somewhat concealed it's it's a, it's external seichel. Is seichel there? There's an intelligence behind our feelings, intelligence that maybe even drove our feelings and directs them and so on. 
and, and, and informs them, but it's an external dimension. And the kayach of movement, the power, the faculty of movement, there you have the most external part of seichel, only seichel hamaisi, which means the seichel that's connected to action. So there's the seichel intelligence within maisa, there's maisa within intelligence. So intelligence has is across the board. You can have the abstract thinking, conceiving of an idea, but there's also an intelligence of how you walk. There's intelligence how you write. There's an intelligence in how you turn a doorknob. It's not a, we wouldn't call that brilliance. We wouldn't call it necessarily intelligence, but you need to have some seichel, some intelligence, to, to just the order of how to walk and how to open a doorknob. But what, how, how much seichel is invested? How much intelligence is invested in the turning of a doorknob? A limited amount. So we see how even the seichel manifests in other faculties, it's very distinguished, distinct in each place according to its needs. And seichel hamaisi is the most external part. Now, of course, when a person writes or speaks, they need to reach deeper into their minds to reveal a deeper idea to be able to express it. But that's not what he's talking about. Here he's talking about how much is invested in the actual act. Not in the concentration needed in expressing an idea. The act of actually writing something. How much intelligence is there? Or the act of moving or walking. So it's a very external amount of intelligence that manifests in other faculties. So there's a seichel everywhere, but it's not like it is in the mind, like like in in the brain. It's only clear. That's not the essence at all of seichel. The essence of seichel in how you turn a doorknob, in how you uh, move your hands, in how you wave. There's a seichel, there's a, some level of intelligence, but it's a shell of intelligence. It's just a tip of the iceberg of what intelligence is really like. If you were to judge intelligence based on people's functionality, you would, have it all, you would not have at all a snapshot or a picture of what real intelligence is. The essence and the inner personality and identity of Seichel is specifically and exclusively in the brain inside the head. There, as he explained earlier, the container is subtle. That is subtle, so it's able to contain that type of powerful energy. But the intelligence in other parts of the body each one is more diminished than the other based on the particular level that it is, uh, it is manifesting in. So we see from here that his chalkos, what he was speaking earlier, that pnimi, something that the internal energy that's inherently internal is internal and that's why, that's the reason that it manifests in a very distinct and, divi- and, and separate way. So you see here how spirit is coming into diversity in all possible ways, not just that the soul manifests in a diverse way, but also that as the faculty, in, in, in meaning in each faculty, the head has more energy than the other parts of the body, but also as the faculties interact with each other, there's also that type of distinction. So we see here too, just like he discussed earlier, that the faculties are fundamentally distinct and diverse. And how do we see that? Because we see how, let's say, in the mind, in the brain, in the head, there's more energy because the containers are more conducive, they're more refined, more delicate. So they draw more energy into the head than the body. And the leg even less because it just has 
the most coarse, says Chaymer Av. So we see a distinction of how energy manifests in different parts of the body. The same we see now in how the faculties interact with each other. That here too you see, it's not just one flow of a faculty. The intelligence comes into the human being and it's everywhere distributed equally. No, it's distributed distinctly different. In the brain, you have the intense, the brain power, the, the, the so-called engine room of the mind. And a reflection of it in a very diminished way um, uh, manifests in the power of movement, the power to uh, write, the power to walk, the power to uh, use your hands, and so on. And it's very distinct because you use your hands for certain things, you use your legs for other things. So there's intelligence there, but the intelligence itself is distributed uniquely different to each faculty. So we see here again how his calculus. The, the, the diversity is just as it is diverse in the different faculties, also how the faculties interact with each other. There too you see the diversity. That's how important it is to the interface, even in that detail. So it's not just a diversity, each faculty in its place, and then they all are everywhere. No. Even as they interact, it continues to maintain individuality, even as intelligence spreads out and distributes its intelligence to other parts of the of the of the faculties, other parts of the human being. The same is true not just with intelligence in the mind, all the faculties, the other faculties, Hamidis, the emotions, and in the in the power of movement, the power of movement and 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 uh, mobility. In the arms, in the hands, and in the leg, they're not similar. It's not like they're different. They're different, even though different parts of the legs have one type of movement, the the the, the, the hands another. They're different. The primary force in a human being that um, moves and that lifelasses, that that implements, that does things that builds things is the hands. The hands uh, hold things, they grasp things, they carry things, they open things, we draw with the hands, we write. The hands is the primary interaction of a human being with the world around him, touching things, feeling them, and so on. The leg, movement in the leg is only walking. Now, obviously, you can do tricks with your legs, but naturally, the leg is for walking, legs are for walking feet for walking. The arms are the main thing. So we see, even in Tanua itself, even in the faculty, we also see distinction. This adds another point. In other words, it's not just that the intelligence is distributed differently to each part, but even the lower faculties, the ones that don't use so much brain power, even in movement itself, that too, every part of the body has its own distinct place. Just to show you how fundamental it is that the structure remain diverse and remain individualistic which of course is going to be critical in the interface between the divine, the unity, and the diversity. That commensurate to the containers came as Samsam Ervachais and Nefesh. Commensurate and tailored and fitting and according to the proportions of the containers, that's how the light and energy of the spirit gets diminished, gets channeled, gets contained. Samsam Ervachais and Nefesh 
that according to their commensurate to their proportions, that's how the energy gets contained in them, concealed in them, diminished. It gets diminished from level to level. In other words, every level has its particular uh, flow of energy fitting to that particular level and its properties and its personality. And this, all this is because you're dealing here with a fundamental level called Pnimi, internal integrated energy. The Pnimi that's in the spirit. Which are the faculties in the spirit. So the faculties in the spirit, which is not the essence of the spirit, are not defined, they're not tangible. They're defined, but they're not tangible and concrete. So they begin the beginning of a structure, but it's on the level of spirit. And then as they manifest in the containers, that's where they become defined and tangible in all the fashions that we discussed. So that's chapter 3. And I will read the summary. Kitzur, Iker, the primary thing. In the beginning he said, Omnam Iker Inyan. He said, however, the main thing, the main primi, the main reason that the, the energy in the containers fit is because it's primi. In other words, after all the explanations, is because there's a fundamental nature to this energy. So the Iker, the primary thing, the reason, because the faculties are primi. They're internalized. They're internal forces. Means they are fundamentally defined, fundamentally finite, fundamentally limited. He built in Mugbalas, the spirit which is undefined, unlimited, encompasses, includes within it, contains within it limited, defined faculties. So you have right there the interface. and A spirit that is, that is undefined, unlimited, has within it defined faculties. However, the way they are in the etzem, in the source, in the essence, there they don't have that type of tangible, concrete definition and, and limitation. The revelation of their reflection, how they reflect the energy of the soul, is through Tzimtzum HaNefesh, is through the spirit diminishing its energy. And commensurate, and according to the way the organs function, that's how the tzimtzum, how the diminishing or the concealment or the channeling is from this energy and the light of the soul. So with this we conclude chapter 3, bottom of page 6. The next chapter is going to continue this discussion, chapter 4, about the finite and diversity element the finite and the diversity of the faculties, and it's going to also connect it in, uh, in so-called avoide, in our efforts and our work, in the distinction of, of, of diversity and unity. That will be chapter four, which will continue. So we conclude now chapter three.